Have you found it difficult to share your faith in the COVID era? Or maybe you found it difficult just to share your faith at any point in time. In this week's episode, I had an opportunity to sit down with Peter Dusan, the lead pastor from the Springs Church in San Marcos, Texas. And Peter is a gifted and anointed evangelist. He's going to have a conversation with us today about some ways that we could approach sharing our faith with others. I hope this will encourage you and inspire you to get out there and do exactly that. Here we go. Let's get into it right now. Welcome into Tuesday's R for Talking. I'm so excited about this episode. I've got my good friend, Peter Dusan. As you heard in the intro, Peter is the lead pastor of the Springs Church in San Marcos, Texas, and he is with us today on our podcast. Peter, thanks for being here. How are you, man? Feliz Martes, y'all. I'm so excited that I made the cut for Tuesdays. Peter, we got to get to know you a little bit. So first things first, what's your favorite breakfast taco? Anything with bacon, and then you just add some bacon and some jalapeno. So breakfast taco, man, breakfast tacos are right there. That's a culinary apologetic. You can't eat a breakfast taco and then tell me there's no God. So (laughs) yum. That's awesome. Well, Peter, one of the things that I love about you, there are many, but one of the things I love about you is really has nothing to do with you in a sense. It's the gift that God has put in you. And you are, man, you're a gifted and called and anointed evangelist. And so, of course, the Bible talks about some are called to be prophets, some are called to be teachers, some are called to be shepherds, some are called to be evangelists, and you can do many of those other things well. But it seems like there's a real special gifting and anointing when when it comes to evangelizing. And so that makes you not only highly effective at it, but also a passionate and effective teacher about it. So today's podcast really is to focus on this whole idea of evangelizing in the COVID era. We've had, obviously, the world has changed in the last six months. And evangelism was something that I feel like was difficult for a lot of Christians before. And now that we kind of got into this time where like, you're not supposed to approach people. And, you know, it was at my kid's baseball game yesterday and they're like sending out these rules, stay away from people, don't talk to people. It's so crazy, you know? And so it's, it's obviously presented you know, depending on how you are looking at evangelism before, it's presented you with some new obstacles or perhaps even some new excuses <laughs> around why you yeah. don't do it and can't do it. So for those of you listening in, that's what we're going to talk about today. And we'll definitely spend the lion's share of our time on that today. But but first, Peter, let's just get to know you a little bit more, man. We'd love to hear your story, where you came from, how you met Jesus, yeah. how you met your wife, and why you are so passionate about sharing your faith. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. You know, even before I kind of get into my story, I I just want to kind of put my cards out there and uh, and, and hope that I can convey a tone of you can do it versus you should do it. And and my hope as as someone who's passionate about evangelism and someone who's been called an evangelist is to encounter other Christians to the degree that I don't simply say you should do this because largely so many Christians, if if you love Jesus, you're, you're driven by a sort of sense of responsibility that can devolve into guilt. And my hope is that my experience with you, I can, by the spirit of the living God, help you to see that you can do this. The tools that God has given you are not only effective, but uniquely and specifically effective to reach the people with the gospel of Jesus with you know the gospel that Jesus saves sinners 
to reach people that he's put in your life in ways that Nathan and I couldn't. So that's my hope. That's the tone I want to set today. That's really great, man. I will get into a little bit of my story. I'm a product of of campus ministry, of student evangelism. Uh, I grew up in central Oregon, and I, I I went to church every once in a while, but really it was the Catholic church. I would light an offertory candle every once in a while when I felt bad enough for the things that I had no intention nor power of changing. Uh, I thought the only people who were super serious about their faith and, you know, from my perspective, followed the rules were just, they didn't have anything better to do. They were old people or ugly people and they weren't getting invited to the parties I was getting invited to. And so it didn't interest me. So I got to high school and my friend Josh, who I used to smoke with in middle school, was super passionate about something. And I thought it was some sort of new drug he was on or something. And then he just would not, he would not stop talking about Jesus. And he kept inviting me to this, this campus ministry in Mr. Shuknik's math, math classroom. It was a student-led thing at lunch. And after a few weeks, I finally went, not because I, I wanted to go, but because I wanted Josh to stop inviting me. Which, hey, y'all, if that's all you've got is you wear people out, then do it for Jesus. And uh, I finally went, and you know, just because I wanted Josh to see, look, I can do this Christian thing and kind of check it off my list. It's not that impressive. But w- when I got there, it, it, it terrified me in, in a way because I saw a bunch of young people who were joyful and passionate. Uh, and it was almost like looking into the mirror of what I was designed to be. And I saw myself for who I really was because I saw these people with joy and excitement and passion. And they didn't carry around all the guilt that I carried around, it seemed. Uh, and so I heard the gospel that Jesus saves sinners. I, ha- I heard the Bible read, which was so fascinating to me to, to learn about the Jesus that I had seen in pictures and on the crucifix. And I, every once in a while, would tune in during a homily. But I heard that he saves sinners. And it just so happened that the Holy Spirit had shown me that I was one of them. And uh, I became a Christian, you know, a born again. My, my liberal lawyer stepfather told me it was an evangelical phase, which turned into being like, what, 23 years now. Uh, so but fast forward to college, my wife went to swim for the University of Texas. Well, my girlfriend at the time. Um, actually, too, my, my girlfriend, I, Mr. Shuknik's daughter was in that same Bible study that I first went to. And uh, I, I was wanted to go after her. I, it was fascinating for me to see a, a young girl, a woman, a young woman that uh, I, I could be attracted to the Jesus in her and also her, her physical beauty. And, and up until that point, I was accustomed to seeing, you know, girls as, uh, you know, as, as, as bodies instead of seeing, seeing them as body and soul and a, a soul to respect. And that, that couldn't have come through, but by the Holy Spirit. And so I, I, I pursued her. And, uh, you know, for about a few years, she was trying to keep me far away from her. She was pursuing Jesus and, and swimming, and she wasn't super interested in me. For a few years, she was rejecting me, and it hurt my feelings a little bit. But eventually, she relented, and uh, we started becoming boyfriend and girlfriend. And she came out to swim for the University of Texas. 
And uh, eventually I followed her out here. You know, at the time I was, uh, I was super ashamed of like, oh no, I'm, I'm pursuing my own calling. No, I was, I was following a girl and looking back, it was one of the best decisions of my life. She was a part of an athletic ministry here through Mosaic uh, called Champions. And that's where I went to visit her and I met Morgan, who was leading Every Nation Campus at the time. Morgan helped me to start a Bible study, a campus ministry at Texas State, where I was going to school at the time. And I, after college, I was so fascinated with Every Nation Campus, just the, 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 the passion to make disciples in an evangelistic sense, knowing that evangelism is a part of discipleship and to make disciples in a way that's supported by the church, which was so important to me, and a church that is diverse. And diversity is not, for, you know, for me, some sort of thing that's some sort of add-on to the gospel, but it's a, a way for us to, to know God in a more accurate and a robust way and to grow in Him in a way that's not limited to our own former perspective. So I was fascinated with Every Nation. We started a, a campus ministry there. After college, I went into full-time ministry, evangelism on the Texas State campus. We were part of Mosaic for about three years before Mosaic helped us to start services 12 years ago. And uh, I, I've been leading our church now for 12 years and all along been very passionate about how evangelism, not only on the campus, but also in the community, can be a reproducible thing that we all do, that we do together. It's not some specialist. It's not just me doing it. It's not Morgan doing it and you just maybe invite people to church, but there's a way for us to reach our neighbors in a powerful way. And my hope is that as one of the leaders in the church, that I can help people really see by the Spirit of God, you can do this. That's really great, man. It's fascinating how God will use a lot of different means to get our attention. And it's... Uh, yes, yes, it's, and, and for some reason, Peter, for some of us men, it's predictably a woman that he uses to get our attention. And that, Hallelujah. That, that is... Uh, there's so much there. Um, as soon as that, the, that phrase leaves my mouth, of course, I think about women being the first evangelist after the resurrection of Jesus. And there's such a power Come and on. strength to women sharing the gospel. Obviously, we're two guys sitting here talking right now, but it shouldn't be lost on any of us that the first evangelists in Christianity, the very first ones, yes. were females. So this is definitely a, a women's empowerment message that you can share the gospel of Jesus. You can share the truth unapologetically and authoritatively. But I do want to get into some of the practicals, uh, Peter, of, of kind of how you go about it. I mean, obviously, you've got a you've got a fun, jovial, joking personality that just breaks down walls. I remember going to get some tacos with you and, uh, you know, you telling uh, weird jokes about chimichanclas or something like that um, to, uh, to, to, <laughs> yeah, to get yeah. it. What do you call a fried sandal? It's a chimichanclas. And next thing I know, you know, you're, you're, uh, I, I can barely speak Spanish, but I knew just enough to know that you were talking with the lady who was making your taco about being a Catholic and trying to find out if she actually knew Jesus or just Catholicism. But anyway, it's, uh, it's fascinating yeah. to watch, to watch you do that. Not everybody has your personality, of course, and those kinds of things don't come as easy for some people, but, but I'd love for you to kind of get into the practicalities and, and also just to throw kind of two buckets at you, the, the, the practical ways 
ways that that we can approach just the idea of sharing our faith, but also the not so practical, like the supernatural, the stuff that we call power evangelism. So I'd love to hear you talk talk with us about today. Yes, sir. In my mind, here's how I've organized it. You know, since you and I began discussing about this, this podcast, is the after this big pandemic and stuff, what are things that have not changed? And then, of course, what are the things that have changed? What What is different? And so, obviously, when we think about things that are different, we can think about the precautions. Like, you probably can't get close to people physically. People aren't as accessible because we're not gathering, whether it's malls or schools or work, we're not gathering in physical proximity. And so that's a challenge. Uh, inviting people to church is a challenge because it's it's just different. There's There's been huge chunks of time, and God willing, not, not too many more, where we don't have a physical gathering. So that's a challenge. So in my mind, I like to organize around the things that have remained the same, which we'll talk a lot about, and then the things that are different. And, and when you think about the things that are different, the things that have changed from COVID-19, you know, we can think about the, the precautions that people don't tend to gather as much in, in normal settings where there's multiple humans there, whether work or, or shopping or church or soccer games we don't have physical gathering around other people as much. And so that's, that's a unique challenge. Uh, even inviting people to church, which for many of us, that's a great bare minimum of how we do evangelism. We love our church. We invite other people there. And that's good. I, I'm going to encourage you that you can do so much more and you're, you're going to be awesome at it. But even that bare minimum thing about church is different because for a while now, and God willing, not much longer and not other seasons like this, we've had to forego the regular physical gathering. And that's that's a challenge. All the physical proximity challenges with work and school and all that. And then also just the, the church gathering. But as I've thought about it, Nathan, there's a few things that are are pretty hugely to our advantage that have changed as well. And the first thing I think about is that people are uniquely hungry for human interaction like never before in my lifetime. The, the human interaction element to what we do, people are no longer taking it for granted as much. Uh, I've seen different psychological reports out about how starved people are for other people. And it's because God made us for community. And so even the silly things that, you know, like jokes in public or just noticing people, it's, it's bearing a lot more weight of blessing on people in my experience, just noticing people saying hello. People need human interaction. I was at the University of Texas game, football game this weekend and went up to some, some police officers I saw there. And uh, I just said, you know, you guys protect and serve us, but can I just tell you, there is a God who protects and serves us. And it might seem crazy that a God would lower himself to serve us like Jesus did on the cross. But you need to know that as you protect and serve, there's a God who protects and serves us. And That's usually great. when I would do things like that, it would be a hit and miss. And it just seems like those sorts of interactions with other people in public, um, it's 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 much more well received because 
maybe because people are needing it more and people aren't taking for granted as much just being noticed by other humans. Uh, the other thing that I think is to our advantage is in all of the struggle and how the world is turned upside down, there's a lot of idols in people's lives that are being crushed, whether it's economic struggles that are hard for all of us. In a unique way, that things that are challenges and changes, it, it's a struggle for so many of us to get through, but it's also a, a unique open door for other people to, to, to see Jesus in a new light because so many of the other alternative Jesuses in their life are crushed and they're revealed to be, you know, missed like they really are. So there's an open door for us. And that kind of gets me back, you know, I'll stop there for a second, but man, us being able to get to the, the basic things, uh, it's a unique, it's a unique challenge, but it's a unique opportunity too. So what I love about what you just said there as it relates to the police officers is that you found something that connects to them that you could connect to the gospel. And I think that's a really important sort of, you know, tactics, probably a strong word, but that's a really important strategy, maybe is a better word um, to use there. Because sometimes I think people don't know where to start because they think that the, the all you're supposed to do is just walk up and say, Hey, have you ever heard about Jesus? And and some people can do that, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but certainly, I have found it to be more effective to try and connect something that is that is meaningful to someone uh, in their own life back to the gospel. What do you what do you think about that? Yes, and and sometimes there's creative things like that. I mean, the the secret I think for knowing how to connect with someone is, and this is going to be a major theme, is ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit. Uh, you know, I've I've seen there's been a lot of people who are fearful, and maybe for good reason with with COVID nineteen because it's a pretty nasty, terrible thing. But there are a lot of people that are so fearful that uh, that simply I've noticed too, like whether it's in the checkout line or just something. And I said, you know, I'll say, hey, can I just say the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you and bring you peace. And some people would be like, whatever, thanks. But others, just speaking a blessing of protection over them is so monumental that that it, it reveals kind of the need they had, the, the fear they're living under. And so if you don't, if you're not, if you're not creative, that's fine, but you can, you can be genuine. You know, I've said this before, like with using evangelism tools, whether it's the God test or another tool, I've had students be reluctant to use it because they'll say, you know, well, I want to be genuine. And, and to our generation, what it means to be genuine is to be spontaneous. Like as if I have to, uh, I have to be making stuff up for me to be genuine. No, you can, you can speak the Lord's blessing and be genuine. You can do the God test and ask the questions that are written in front of you uh, or if you're not familiar with the God test, it's a little questionnaire that we use on campus largely. But whatever it is, whether it's speaking a blessing over someone, if you do it in faith and you maybe you pray the Lord's prayer with them, whatever it is, or you just maybe it's the same question you have over and over and over again. If you do it in faith, how about this question? Here's a great evangelism tactic. Excuse me, how can I pray for you? 
Or mm-hmm. you'd see a coworker, hey, I noticed you've been struggling. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you is a question that you can repeat over and over and over and over again. And yet it remains to be powerful to the degree that you can simply do it in faith. You mentioned, of course, in there, the Holy Spirit. And, you know, we've done a couple classes here on power evangelism, um, you know, but of course, not everyone listening to this podcast will have taken that class by any stretch. Um, and right. I, I know, at least for me, that that's what I lean on the most because I, you know I may not be creative or clever enough for for some situations and for some people. Um, but God right. knows, God knows what's going on with people in their lives. And um, you know, those sort of moments where I just sort of pause and pray for someone. You know, to my not to myself. I'm not praying to myself, but I'm praying within myself uh, to God. I'm not speaking yeah. out loud yet. I haven't asked them for the prayer request, but I'm just praying for them. Like God, you know, you've highlighted that person to me. What's going on with them? And what what do you, what right. do you want them to hear from me? How can I be a representative of you to this person right now? And um, and I have found that you know if I do that with sincerity and 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 I'm listening and all of that, that God will many times sort of give me a phrase or a thought or a situation or something that that I could you know go up to someone and and say, hey, are you having a rough day today? Is this like an extraordinarily difficult day for you? I'd love to just pray That's with so you about key. that. And and if they are having an extraordinarily difficult day, just that little seed will cause an openness to occur. Um, I know you've got a lot of stories like that. I'd, I'd love for you just to share some because it can be empowering for you to share some stories about how the, the Spirit of God within you has given you revelatory information that then made it possible for you to actually share the gospel yeah. with another person. Yeah, that's huge, Nathan. Even the, just the, the way you put yourself out there is so important. And I, I think there's a major paradigm that I'll, some of us get intimidated about power evangelism and, and prophecy and operating in the spiritual gifts like this because we think fundamentally that, that prophesying, for instance, is a power that we produce. And as I've grown in prophesying um, and stepping out and seeing prophetic power enter into how I'm putting myself out there for people, I've learned and very much aligns with what I've continued to learn in the Bible, that prophecy is not a power that I produce. Prophecy is a power that I'm dependent on. Now, there's, there's ways that I can put myself out there to be dependent on God speaking to someone. And I honestly think that in my experience, that's what it comes down to. Can we intentionally put ourselves out in people's lives in a way that makes us dependent on whether, whether it's prophecy or, or simply that someone feeling God, you know, put ourselves out there to where it's, it's someone that feels the presence of God or even hears the prophetic voice of God through us, or it's just us looking stupid or being us being a little overzealous. And quite honestly with me, I have to risk the latter in order to more regularly see the former. And, and, and how do you know, how do you know if you're, if you're speaking the, the very words of God or if you're, or if you're speaking your own words? Well, first of all, Rarely, I, I don't. In my experience, I've never heard of the devil uh, encouraging someone to go speak the gospel of Jesus to anyone else. And, and 
and in my experience, I don't know that it's ever someone's flesh that has the intention to want to go speak for God. Uh, so if we're going to be out there and, and have a desire to put ourselves, make ourselves dependent on other people, it's, it's where God's power really fills that space when we make ourselves dependent. And I'll give you a practical example. I go up to someone and I say, can I pray for you? Right in that moment, I'm saying, Holy Spirit, what do, what do I need to pray? Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit will speak to me through someone's name. You know, I'll say, what's your name? And so often I hear the Holy Spirit bringing another person with that name to my remembrance. And, and, and so I'll pray things that I, that, that I think. Sometimes the, the thoughts that go into your mind is, is the whisper of God. And I'll just start praying certain needs that I feel for that person. It's amazing how it, they feel loved. They feel loved by God and, and they feel the presence of God and whether or not they felt like God's speaking them to, to that, that's between them and God. I'm not responsible for producing some sort of power. And that's what I think a lot of Christians can, can get over that striving that, that striving thing that says, I need to go produce some evangelistic or prophetic power. No, it's I need to place myself on the altar of God as a living sacrifice and be dependent. And if God chooses to speak, great, but I'm going to put myself out there and be dependent on him. And another thing to ask the Holy Spirit when you're, when you're asking, you know, you're putting yourself out there is to ask the Holy Spirit, what do you like about this person? Give me one word that I can speak over this person. And, and, and so I'll say, I'll say, can I pray for you? And I'll ask the Holy Spirit that. And this is so important, Nathan, because especially in this polarized climate that our culture is in right now, it's an election season. And, and there's so much in person and social media, so much about humanity that we are triggered to, to notice the things that we don't like about other people. And, and and if we ask the Holy Spirit, what, what's one thing you do like about this person? We're not disregarding if, if there's a sin pattern in their life. You know, maybe there's certain things that we, we don't like. And we know that God doesn't like about the, this person's life or, or beliefs or whatever. No, no, no. We're asking the Holy Spirit, what is something you like about this person? And when you ask the Holy Spirit that, he'll, sh- he'll show you. And I'll start praying, Lord, I thank you that, that Mike is gentle and he cares for the oppressed. Um, when you ask the Holy Spirit, he'll speak and you pray. And then you, you're dependent and watch God. You'll look back and say, you know, in, the, my, in my failure to produce power, I was dependent. And, and in that place of dependence, God spoke through me. Now, it was your initiative. You put yourself out there and said, hey, can I pray for you? And you ask the Holy Spirit, show me something you like, one thing. And so often there's a, there's one word and it's an affirmation. You're gentle, you're passionate, you're kind. Um, and you can build off of that because the Holy Spirit gives you these, these words that are formative for that person's life. I love that. That, that is so powerful. My mom, Peter is someone who is, I think, gifted in a real similar way that you are. And I have all these memories, man. As a kid, we, we would go to the grocery store and like, all the time, my mom would be like, I got to go talk to that person. I got to go pray for that person. And uh, I just, I, I yeah. watched my mom like 
pray for more people in a grocery store parking lot than like <laughs> than maybe I've seen people pray for yeah. in church, you know, because uh, she just would always like be on mission in that way, like asking the Lord what what's happening with this person, and um, you know, just so, so so many stories, and and so I, I share that because that's a place that most of us go. I know some of some of you are into the the curbside thing or the house delivery or whatever, um, but but even at the grocery store, you know, there's there's ways you can see see people and and you can talk to somebody on the, the side of their car you know for from six feet away and and, and I think yeah. that a, a, as you get into those spaces really listening to the Lord is important because God knows man God, God knows whose hearts are open whose hearts are hard what it will take to break that hard heart and maybe it's not you maybe it's not your time maybe it's not any words you're gonna say that's gonna it's gonna, gonna gonna break that person's hard heart but maybe the next person that you look at and begin to pray about has a soft heart that is ready to receive. That's um, right. So, so Peter, there's this idea that, and you sort of touched on it earlier, um, but there's this idea that, hey, the way I evangelize people is to just bring them to church. And I think, you know, that can be effective uh, at times. Although what happens inside the church, right. you know, I mean, I, I realize there's different schools of thought on this, but what happens inside of our church, it may be, uh, we may do it with an awareness that there are people coming who don't know Jesus, but the whole thing isn't just for people who don't know Jesus, right? There's a lot of other things that are going on right. there. So when we sort of like punt to, well, it's Morgan's job or it's Peter's job or it's whoever's preaching's job to share the gospel, or my it's job some is... some sort of ethereal marketing strategy that it's that thing's job. It's that thing's yeah. job. Yeah. At the, at the end of the day, like, no, man, it's your job and it's my job. Talk, talk with us a little bit more about what, what the benefits are of bringing people to church, but also some of the detriments to sort of viewing that as your only pathway towards sharing the gospel. Yes. Now, first of all, inviting people to church, if the alternative is not inviting the people to church, then invite people to church. For for many of y'all, that might be your first step where definitely you you pray for people, you invite them to church. And so I would say if you haven't if you're not comfortable with doing that, take some risks and do it. And I would venture to say, Nathan, that even your mom, even though you saw grew up seeing her be brave, I'd venture to say that maybe there was a time in her life where she wasn't as brave like that. But you know, what's great about the, the company of other Christians, whether it's Christians that you follow or Christians that you know follow you, that's how God designed it. And so some Christians, maybe even like your mom, she she allowed her bravery to extend further when she knew that there was children watching. And for us, mm. we need to know that there's always people that we can follow. Really there's good. always people watching us. And so maybe you're in a place where you're not you're not inviting people to church, and you're in a you're in a you're in a community group with with someone who's inviting people to church and is doing a little bit more. Um, you, you can grow in that and follow that person and know that there's people that are going to be following you too. And so inviting people to church is way better than not inviting people to church. But being able to, to, to see the, the presence of God in me and knowing that I am part of the church and I don't have to invite them to a service I think, Nathan, that we as kind of evangelicals in the last several decades, uh, as Christians in the last several decades, we've spent probably too much time trying to figure out how to get people to go to church and not enough time figuring out how to get the church to go to people. And 
it's an imperative, right? It's something that we need to do. And again, I don't want you to walk away from a podcast and say, oh, you should do this. The only other thing I have to share today that's so important is that any imperative of the, of the Bible, anytime y'all where the Holy Spirit is convicting you, you need to, uh, you need to honor me more with how you eat. You need to, to care and, and to have an eye for the oppressed, a, a sensitivity and an empathy for people of color. You need to, anytime the Bible convicts you to do something, you need to evangelize more. You need to know that most of the, and this is Texas theology, this is proper theology, most of the Bible imperatives, the commands, are not you commands, they're y'all commands. So when you, when you are growing in the stewardship of evangelism, it's not something you turn it off and just, okay, well, I'm, I need to. I need to evangelize more. No, there's an element where we're together in this. And if anything, the biggest secret that I've learned with how to sustain a culture of evangelism in a church, it's knowing that we do it together. It's a team sport, if you will. And so one of the practices that's actually really helpful that we do in our church is it's called needs and names. So every time this is pretty formulaic, and it's one of the biggest things that I'm stubborn about in our church, every small group or community group that we have, the way that we pray every week is needs and names. And so we say, you know, everyone in the circle here is going to have a need to pray for. And it's amazing how five minutes of praying with other people's needs provides a, a greater Christian closeness than 30 minutes of talking about those needs. It's just amazing when we pray for our needs. Everyone in the circle has a need that we're going to personally pray for. And everyone in the circle has a name of someone not yet in this circle. Someone from your work, someone from your neighborhood, one name that we're going to pray for. And it's amazing how when that person prays for that name, now they're stewarding that name, that heart, that precious person in the context of other people. And what's cool is you start to, after you pray for people in your life more, it changes how you see people around you in your neighborhood. Because after a while of, of growing in this culture, first of all, you're not left to yourself to figure out how to sustain evangelism. It's a team game. My friend in my growth group, in my church, is helping me to, to bring that name before God. And they're encouraging me after that, that group meeting to, to reach out to that friend. And the person I pray for is the person I'm more likely to invite to church or invite to lunch and say, hey, can I share my story about how I came to know Jesus? And then I want to pray with you. I want to just tell you one thing that I think the Holy Spirit has told me that he likes about you. Imagine a person rejecting that offer. You know, maybe they don't want to have an argument about politics or evolution or things like that. But I don't know any atheist I've ever met that didn't want to hear, hey, even though you don't believe this God, can I tell you something he likes of you? <laughs> There's never a hard no. There's, I've never gotten a hard pass on that. You know, maybe they're humoring me, but I don't care. God's real. And my belief in God doesn't make him real. And their disbelief in God doesn't make him not real. So I'm just going to keep preaching him and loving on folks. 
You're right. Like who doesn't want to hear that? Who doesn't even just like out of curiosity, whether they believe it or not. And then you've got an opportunity for the spirit of yeah. God to speak something that's actually true that goes in and does what Hebrews said it separates, right? Soul from spirit and bone from marrow and all of that. Wow. And just gets right down into the heart of a person. And they think this is like a parlor trick. And then all of a sudden you're saying something that, you know, they've been not sleeping over for the last three weeks. And it's like the, the thing they don't like about themselves is the thing that God does like about them or whatever, you know, and, and those kind of, kind of things can can happen. Peter, you touched on something, of course, a minute ago, a little bit. And I do think it's really important that we talk about this because while evangelism and evangelizing can, can be intimidating for people, there is a truth, man, that like the best, uh, sort of way we can evangelize people every day is in how we live, um, and how we love and, and what we do. And of course there are moments where all of that culminates into a bold conversation. And and sometimes, you know, maybe even easier with a stranger because there's not a lot at stake there. You know, they weren't your friend three minutes ago. And if they reject you, then nothing changes about your life. Um, and so that, that can kind of be simple. Um, but what I think is even far more effective, but far more challenging, is to try to preach the gospel with our lives. Not to say that we never talk about it, but that when we do decide to talk about it, there's a consistency to what we're saying with how we've been right. living. And um, and I, th- I think that honestly, I mean, I hate to say this, but it seems to me that one of the biggest obstacles to sharing our faith that I see from a lot of Christians is that they, they realize, shoot, like... I can't talk to these people about my faith because my life looks the same as theirs. What do I have to offer that that seems meaningful and tangible to someone from a natural perspective? Of course, we can talk about the supernatural, but man, like if if the if the only thing we can talk about is when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, but nothing about how I live now looks any different because of that encounter with Jesus, then really like your your testimony is sort of stumped right there in that moment. That's right. If you would, man, just put on your your pastor hat and exhort us for a minute the, about how we live and how we walk with people and with God every single day and the impact that that's going to have on our ability to share Jesus with other people. So one of the things, Nathan, over the, the last several years that I've loved, um, I've been a Christian for 23 years. 12 of those have been, so the majority of my Christian life, been leading this church. And my my fascination, not only with the gospel, but the ongoing growth of a, of a disciple in a community where we confess our sin and pray for each other. My first encounter with confessing my sin to other men was, I think, a, a week after I became a Christian. And the feeling of not having to hide anymore was so cathartic that I've never gone back. It's it's a beautiful thing. The, the last few years, I've been working really closely with uh, our associate pastor in San Marcos, Alberto, who also grew up Catholic. He, he got saved in our church. And he and I have had a growing fascination with just some of the confessional liturgy in church. And again, it's if, if we're genuine in it and we do it by faith, then it's not perfunctory. I love going to a a a church setting or a a small group, community group and confessing my sin. And you might ask like, what does that have to do with people living the life of a Christian and set an example? Well, if you're encountering people that you know from soccer and, and maybe they heard you cuss, God forbid, or maybe they see weaknesses in you. 
this is where even if they see your failings, not I'm sorry, even when, because if they don't see your failings, you're not really being their friend. In one sense, yes, we need to set an example of a Christian love for them. But also, I think in a greater sense, you need to set your weaknesses on the altar. Christian, Non-Christians don't need to see simply your strengths and, and, and you're only a display of Jesus in their life. It's really good. You're also a display of the in your own life. You, you need Jesus the day that you get saved and you need Jesus the day that you die, if you've been saved for 60 years, if anything, we can display before the world our ongoing need for Jesus. And if the world sees that we're continuing to need Jesus and grow in Jesus and our joy of Jesus, then it's all Jesus. And we're not the center and the protagonist of our life. We're often the antagonist, and yet Jesus is our ever-loving hero. And, and so for me, non-Christians, knowing that, hey, I struggle with anger and I go to counseling and, and seeing those disarming realities of me not glorying in my sin, but, but me being able to expose the freedom of all of these things that I used to try to hide. Hey, look, I have a place where I can go to God and stand with other Christians. And as a part of my holy habits of confessing sin and praying for other people and with other people, I grow. And so therefore my weakness is God's strength in my life. And that invites other people to join me in that place of, of weakness and strength. I love what you're saying there, because when we talk about how we live for Jesus, it's not posturing. It's not like pretending. It is being conformed right. to his image. It is being uncomfortable with sin. It is not making peace yes. with the flesh and saying, well, that's just how I am, but saying, no, this is this is what I did, but it's not actually who I am. It's not who I want to be. And, uh, you, you yeah. know, I, I found even like asking forgiveness of people that don't know Jesus because of something we have done to them is also really powerful. And I think it kind of goes in line with what you're talking about. Uh, I know that you're a guy who loves to offer a challenge to people. So I would love it if you would just throw down the gauntlet here on the Tuesdays of for Talking podcast and give some people a couple of things that they can do in the next seven days between now and when the next podcast comes out. What are some things that they can practically do to sort of stretch that muscle of evangelism in their own life? That's great. Thank you, Nathan. Number one, right now, it's not after this podcast, but right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to pray with me. Holy Spirit, can you show me three people in my life that you want me to, to invest my prayer and my time in. So even right now, as we're, as we're finishing up this podcast, the Holy Spirit's going to start giving you people. And I, I want you to write those names down, even now, write them down on your little phone note or something like that. I keep my, my VIP prayer list on my phone, it's neighbors and friends and people that God's placed in my life. And I want you to, I want you to pray for them. And the next thing I want you to do is I want you to find a friend from church. And that would be great if you go to a community group, if you haven't tried one of those yet, you know, find a community group and find a friend, a Christian friend in the church. That you can, you can not only confess your sin to, which is great, but you can confess those names to. So it's not just not just 
your VIP prayer list, but it's it's ours now. And then ask ask the Holy Spirit. Well, there's one of those people that you put on the list and ask them, hey, can I go to coffee with you in, in the next two weeks? Can I go to coffee with you? And I want you to share your story. What what your life was like before Jesus, maybe for a minute or two, uh, how practically Jesus changed your heart, and then what life's like now. And, and if with your friend, you can just simply tell them, look, I'm just wanting to take you to coffee to get to know you more. I've been, I want you to know I've been praying for you. And so you, you, if, when you're at coffee, hey, are you okay with me sharing my story of just kind of what God's done in my life? Now, if they say no, then don't do it. But I mean, who's going to say no to that? You share, hey, are you okay with me sharing my story? I just want to, I don't know if this encourages you or or if, or if it doesn't, but I just want to share it. So you share your story for a few minutes and then you ask them, hey, is it okay if I pray with you? I just feel really led to, to, to pray and bless you. Is there anything specific I can pray for? And then you ask the Holy Spirit, what, what do you like about this person? Now, I just went many, many steps where if, if every Christian would do something like that, a few times in their lifetime, our world would look different. But I'm asking you to start with simply asking the Holy Spirit for a few people to, to write their names down, start praying for them, and then share those names with another friend who can also steward, hold you accountable. And we talk about accountability. Often we think it's other people helping us not do the things that we're supposed to not do. But how much more is, is should we be held accountable to do the things that God says to go and do? And honestly, if we're engaged in what he calls us to do, like evangelism, then how much, how much more space to say no to the, the temptations that he says not to do? But uh, we are called to advance the kingdom. And so we pray for a few people, confess, step two, confess those, those names to another Christian friend. And step three, take a step with one of them, invite him to coffee, share your story, pray with them. I love those steps. I think those are really, really great. And I'll, I'll just add one little piece to that. A good friend of mine, pastors out in Orange County, used to be an associate pastor here at Mosaic, John Blue. When he started his church out there, part of the part of the, the grassroots effort was to just reach out to people and actually ask their story. And we wore these little bracelets, you know, like the uh, Livestrong bracelets, but they said story on them. It's just like a reminder, man, what's your story? And it can be powerful wow. to share your story with people. It can also be powerful to ask them to share their story with you, because here's what can happen. When they're sharing oh, their story powerful. with you, man, God can actually reveal things where it's like, man, did did you know that actually like God was with you in that moment when that thing happened? That was his grace that was that was making that situation go from what it was to what it is. And you know, there's just there, there's little things like Come that on. where as you're listening to them, the spirit of God can speak into moments. And of course, people love to talk about themselves. So <laughs> so you give them an opportunity yes. to do that. You know, you sort of win a friend in that sense and and you gain an opportunity to speak into it. But I love that, man, especially like just to get three names, ask the Lord to illuminate those and ask some other people to pray with you about those. I think that is a wonderful step to take just in the next seven days yeah. and, uh, and then pray for the right kind of opportunity. There's one other thing though too, Nathan. I, I would be remiss this, in, in essence, is another podcast, but share the gospel. If there's an open door for the gospel, share the gospel. And, and and what I mean by the gospel is Jesus saves sinners. If that's the only three words you know, 
and you know a little bit about why only Jesus can do it and a little bit about salvation like he makes you new and and it your body soul and spirit it's eternity as well well he saves and and sinners like we're all sinners and we all need Jesus if all you got is Jesus saves sinners that's why he died on the cross to to pay the penalty for my sin then then just go with that but the gospel is what what really illuminates and animates the story of humanity and your story. So I, I had to cut in and say, you know, don't, don't miss an opportunity to share the gospel and to make sure you simply understand what it is, but that's it. So that's great, man. No, 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 that is wonderful. And that is uh, where it all comes to a point. We just, you have to, we, we just have to do it at some point. And, and it is a, it is yeah. a get to, not a got to. Um, but uh, listen, when I go eat, a new barbecue restaurant that's really good. I tend to tell a lot of people. Um, <laughs> yes. And so, uh, and so Jesus is the same way, man. If he's done something for you, let somebody know. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, Peter, man, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been really good to have this conversation with you. I know you and me could, we could spend another hour just on this and then we could spend an hour on yeah. politics <laughs> and then we could spend an hour on sports and then we could spend an hour on whatever else comes next. You know, we could just be here all day. Thanks so much for joining us, man. I hope that you have a wonderful day. We are really grateful to have had you on Tuesdays are for talking, man. God bless. Take care. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Tuesdays are for talking. For more information about how to get and stay connected to us, head over to mosaicchurchaustin.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We hope you'll make plans to join us next week.